call me sentimental, but to me, the most joyful moment in sports is the soccer goal. And when that goal happens at the World Cup, well, it's pretty good. I'm Brian Phillips. With the 2022 Men's World Cup approaching, I'm making a podcast called 22 Goals on the Ringer Podcast Network. It's about 22 of the most fire emoji goals in the history of the tournament. We're going to have so much fun. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Make this summer the best one yet. Invest in a Simply Safe home security system. I have one. I love it. It's a great way to protect your home when you're not there. Um, you need one, especially during the summer. You know what burglars know? People go away during the summer. That's what happens. So when you're away, you want to make sure your place is protected. You want to make sure that you potentially have little camera things you can watch on your phone to see what, what's happening at your house, at your front door, inside. You deserve some peace of mind. Get it today with Simply Safe. Right now, get 20% off any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at slash BS. There's no safe like Simply Safe. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network, where we put up the single most important rewatchables podcast we've ever done Boogie Nights, my favorite movie the last 25 years for my birthday. I got Sean Fantasy and Chris Ryan to join me. Two parts. It is over four hours long. It was just immense amount of fun. It was the first two-part rewatchables we ever did. So that is up. That is up for posterity. I'm so glad we did it. I don't know. That might've been my last rewatchables. We'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> might have to turn the feet over to some other people. I'm, not, I'm still debating. I might've might gone out on a bang with that one. We'll see. You'll find out Monday. Coming up on this podcast, our old friend Brian Winhorst, ESPN NBA guru slash uh, 2022 summer star. We'll go into that quickly, but we're really going to talk about uh, this last era that LeBron is moving into and what that's going to mean for his career, the Lakers, some predictions. And then we talked about a whole bunch of NBA stuff, but uh, it was so much fun to talk to him. And then my daughter Zoe Simmons joined to update us on teen culture as we head toward the end of 2022 post-pandemic What's going on? What people care about? What are the trends? And that kind of stuff. So it's all next. First, our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, taping this, it is uh, early afternoon Pacific time. Brian Windhorst from ESPN is here. He is in Minnesota at one of the uh, many media days we've had over the last couple of days. One of the stars of the summer since the last time we talked, Windhorst. I think it was you and <laughs> Harry Styles. I think we're, we're, we're the two stars of the summer. You're, yeah. uh, you're now iconic. 
Utah prediction. And it's just all kinds of stuff. So I, I did want to do some prediction stuff with you. You've already talked about the, the uh, Utah scoop on other pods, but I was very happy for you. We've known each other for a long time. It was nice to see you get showered <laughs> with adoration, love, respect, awe. Um, predictions. So I want to talk about LeBron first, mm-hmm. a guy that you covered since he was uh, a teenager in Akron, yeah. Ohio. He is now a 37-year-old man. He's going to turn 38 during this season. He has scored over 37,000 points. He's going to break the scoring record this year if he does get injured. Conceivably could start the 40-10-10 K club for points, rebounds, assists, which I find hard to believe um, will happen again. But I don't know what this last phase of his career is going to look like. Because first of all, he's got NBA mortality working against him. He's played more playoff regular season minutes than anyone except Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. 63,000 combined. Kareem was at 66. He's had a lot of miles on him. He takes care of his body as well or better than anyone in the history of the game. But turning 38 on a Lakers roster that I don't feel like is top eight in the West. He's under contract. He can't be traded this year. It seems like he wants to be a Laker for life. And this could go in a variety of directions. Have you ever seen more uncertainty with the future of LeBron James? It's the first time he's, in my opinion, he may dispute this. It's the first time, you know, he made a contract decision that may not have, you know, been championships first. Mm. And that doesn't mean that the, I mean, they're the Lakers. So by virtue of you being like, um, the Lakers have been in like the finals, like how many times out of 75 years? Like, is it, is it 20 times? Something like that? Oh yeah. No, it's like 20. I think it's like 25. Yeah. Okay. So it's gotta be 25 to 26. Right. So like just by virtue of saying I'm a Laker, you know, historically you've got a one in three chance of making the finals. He's been there four years. They made the finals once. If he was there for another four, maybe they'd make it again. So I don't want to make it sound like there's no chance, but when he came to the Lakers in 2018, they didn't have a team around him, but they had great potential. They had all their picks. They had a bunch of young players. and A bunch, bunch of young lottery picks. Yes, and they used all that stuff, and they got a title. Now I don't, you know, their prospects are, you know, not there. So I think he's making a decision, which by the way, he has every right to, he's making a decision. Like this is where I want to be at the end of my career. You know, he was never totally comfortable in Miami. As soon as the season ended, he was out of there back to Akron. And that maybe even if he played in LA at that time in his life, that that would have been the way he was, but he was never comfortable there. He's comfortable in LA. His roots are in he is, you know, his daughter is being raised in LA. His um, his sons have spent big chunk of their formative years there. He like, you know, handpicked their high school. Yeah. Um, like he's building this huge compound, like um, you know, Studio Baron compound in um, Beverly Hills. I mean, that guy, he's an LA guy now, and I just think that you know he didn't have to sign. He didn't, he didn't need the financial security to know that he was locked in for the extra 30, you know, whatever it was, 50 million. Um, but when he signed this contract and like said, not only am I going to give the Lakers more time, but I'm going to take the pressure off this season. 
that to me was him saying, look, I want to be a Laker. And if we win, I'm going to work hard. If we win, great. If we don't, I got other stuff that's going to keep my life fulfilled at this point. I mean, again, he could dispute that, but that's my read on the situation. I looked at the extension like this. That was his commitment to them so that they would trade those first round picks. He had to give up something. It was basically, he was in the same situation in Cleveland in 2017, 18, right? When he was trying to get them to trade the pick that became Colin Sexton. And they wouldn't trade it because they're like, we don't think you're going to be here next year. Oh, no, no, we should. But he wasn't going to be there next year. And everybody knew he wasn't, he was going to LA. I think in this case, you have that Westbrook contract, which becomes an expiring the moment the season starts. And by December, January, February, it's a lot of money. You could bring a lot of yeah. stuff back with those picks. But I think they made it clear to him, A, stop with everything you did in All-Star Weekend. You're not doing that anymore if you want to stay here, where, as you mentioned, his family is, he wants to set up roots here. You still need a team to play for. And if you're going to do that stuff, that's just not going to work. And then two, we're not giving away the end of the 2020s if you're just going to bolt. So I think it's interesting with that extension. They they literally can't trade him this year. So, so you were making, you made an interesting reference to that interview that he gave in Cleveland. Um, yeah. In in 24 years of covering LeBron, the interview wasn't to me, it was with The Athletic. Um, that was one of the most out-of-pocket interviews he's ever given. Um, he What do you mean by out-of-pocket? He went way out over his skis with that one. Um, not only in that interview did he basically... I mean, he said, I'm not closing the door on coming back to Cleveland. I mean, he, he tried to qualify it by like, oh, but it could be just a one-day contract. But he knew exactly what he was doing. He was talking to a Cleveland-based reporter with the Cavs holding salary cap space in Cleveland on All-Star Weekend, a week after the Lakers took inaction at the trade deadline which irritated him. Yep. So he, he went ahead and did that, which caused a major ripple within the Lakers and the Lakers fan base that he's still in some ways walking back. But also in an interview, he talked about how he was going to play with Bronny, his son. And he's like, my last year will be with my son. And, you know, in this recent interview that he just gave to Sports Illustrated, on the uh, anniversary of him being on the cover. Um, and he was talking about how his wife, Savannah, wasn't exactly down with that because, you know, he basically was saying, yeah, Bronny will be in the NBA in, in two years and I'm going to play with them. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Bronny may be in the NBA, but he's not like a young LeBron. He He's not age 17, like going to be the number one pick. And yeah. I think Savannah, his wife, Again, based on that Sports Illustrated interview, was like, what did you just say? And they've kind of been incrementally walking that back. He's been walking that interview back for six months now, to be honest with you. And now all of a sudden, Bronny looks like he might be going to college. I think he is going to go to college, uh, maybe for multiple years. So I think he something was in him. It was, it was in the morning. They had a, a morning practice on that Saturday morning at Cleveland State. And he just he must have just been feeling himself or he just got loose. Yeah. And that interview, that interview was, um, was not ideal for him. Um, well, and, and he's so, also somebody who's given so many interviews for the last 20 years that thousands. he's fully aware of exactly what the ramifications of every word is and how they will be yes. received. 
Yes. He's so. given thousands. And I will say he's gotten looser with his interviews as the years have gone on. He's he's said and done some stuff in interviews since he went with the Lakers that he wouldn't have done earlier. And I think that just comes with he's a little bit more self-confident. But um yeah, I I you're right. They can't really trade him. And well, they um, they by rule can't trade him for a right. season. I right. the thing with his son. I don't want to litigate what his son's, the kids in high school, like, I don't think it's fair for people to be like, oh, could he play? What year could he play? Stuff like that. But I mean, the one thing we know is that for somebody to jump right into the NBA or be there a year, be ready, it's usually somebody that's in like the top five, six, seven, eight, nine players in any top hundred ranking. There's a final level that you kind of have to be in there if that's realistic. What it does seem like he has a chance to do is play in college for multiple years and then potentially make the league as as yeah. somebody who could be like an athletic defensive guard who can shoot threes. Everybody says he's, you know, he's. if you've watched him, he's like very fun to play with. Who knows? Oh my he gosh, might be Bill, too short, he, but he, he plays, he plays a game, lot like LeBron. He plays the game such the right way. I mean, the interesting things about his sons, and look, I am not a high school basketball recruiting expert. I Me, am not going to sit here I. and tell you. I will just tell you that since Bronny was like, you know, 12 or 13, he's really like, I mean, his, his condition, he was in much better condition as a 14, 15, 16 year old than his dad was. <laughs> right. What I mean by that is like, I don't think LeBron lifted weights until he was 16. Bronny had like a personal trainer when he was like 12. I mean, he was in tremendous condition, like as a 14 year old. Yeah. That kid has poured in the work. And you can tell he really cares about the way he plays. Yeah. But the interesting thing is that his second son, Bryce, who's 15, um, he was born during the 2007 finals. So he's, he's like a, a young, I think he's a young I think he's going to be a sophomore. Yeah. Yeah. But a young sophomore. He is much more physically gifted. He's much t- He's taller than Bronny already. He looks more like his dad yeah. did, although not really, but he is more reminiscent of what LeBron looked like as a 15, 16 year old. And he has a lot of different interests. I mean, he is getting into basketball, but he doesn't have the same, at least to this point, he doesn't have the same focus on basketball that uh, Bronny does. So the interesting right. thing is the more naturally talented son appears to be his second son, Bryce. But the one who wants it so badly is Bronny. And so you wonder how that's going to play out. LeBron was the, had the body and had the incredible desire. So um, I'll be interested to see. But like people who have, like there's a bunch of NBA executives and scouts and coaches, Bill, who have sons who are on the AAU circuit. Yeah. So they like see, like, so when I talk to them, you know, they say, they go, Bryce is the prospect. Yeah. You know, Bryce is the guy that at 15, they're like, whoa, watch this kid. Bronny is the kid they were like, boy, look at this kid's love of the game. Look at the way he plays. Like they loved his makeup. They loved the way he played, but they didn't see him as like, oh my God, look at this incredible talent. So we'll see how that plays out. I think this will be a big senior year for him because the LA high school basketball scene is fantastic. And for it to be realistic for him to like play a, a year in the G League and then go into the NBA, which I think a lot of people think is realistic or play a year in college. Remember Hardy, the kid that Dallas ended yeah. up getting in the second round, but he was supposed to be this top five prospect. The G League's hard. 
The G League's a oh, really yeah. good league now. It's got a bunch of kids that are either, you know, first round picks trying to play themselves in the league or 27 year old guys trying to, you know, one last chance. And it's not, it's not easy. Have you ever gone to Sierra Canyon? In oh, the I have. I, my daughter's had games there. Yeah. It's like okay. a college campus. I, so I went to the same high school as LeBron did, obviously. And, um, you know, when, when the, the kids left, you know, I mean, the high school is still highly competitive. They won the state title last year, but you know, when the, when LeBron went to the Lakers, um, same V lost two big time LeBron James siblings to play. Yeah. So when Bronny was a freshman, I went and spent some time at Sierra Canyon. What an impressive place. I was so impressed and 100% got it why LeBron had his kids there. Um, and what I like about Sierra Canyon is that they don't pretend that they're not trying to create pro and college basketball players. Like, yes. You know, some of these places are like, oh, are you giving them free tuition or are you like taking care of their cousins and their, and they're like, yeah. We have a bunch of rich kids who pay us a lot of money and raise a lot of money from, and then we give. I loved it. And Brandon Boston, who's now with the Clippers, was yes. on the team then. And I remember interviewing him. And I don't know, this, you probably don't want, this is maybe boring, but he was already committed to Kentucky. And he transferred there for his senior year. He didn't need, he was going to, it was clear to me he was going to be an NBA player. He probably thought he was going to be a first round pick, but. I remember asking him, I go, um, why'd you come here? And he's from the Atlanta area, like uh, suburban Atlanta. And he goes, because they told me that they would let my sister in and it was an opportunity for her to get a great education. And it was like, wow, what a spectacular answer. What a spectacular reason. And what a spectacular thing that the school would do that and not like pretend that they're not. Like back in the days of when Wes Wesley, this is what Wes Wesley used to try to arrange. He would like say, all right, we'll, we'll guide your kid to this college or, you know, but take care of his family or whatever. Yeah. And that was seen as, oh my gosh, he's like an operator taboo. This is just what Wes was doing. Wes was setting up kids who were like totally helping these schools out and trying to get them ways to, to help their families, help the kids. And so I'm so I was so like relieved that Sierra Canyon was like, yeah, this is what we're doing. And uh, Sierra Canyon they're very like, transparent about it. I mean, they have yeah. people transferring in like August, you know, mid August to be on the right. basketball team. They operate yeah. almost like an AAU team as much as a school. But look, especially now in this NIL world that we're in, I'm not, what are the rules? I'm so, you know? it's so much better. I'm sorry. This wasn't what you wanted to talk about. No, I'm no. This, I thought it was a good tangent. It, it's one of my son's schools, one of their rivals. So it's, I'm, I'm biting my tongue on a lot of stuff, but I'm, I assume that I'm Sierra you. kicks your son's team's butts because they, no, the they beat them. They beat them last year. Oh, the, the, okay. I'm sorry. The, I'm the sorry. The Harvard Westlake beat them last year. Um, wait, we're going to take a break and then I'm going to give you four LeBron outcomes and we'll go through them. Start the NFL week off right with a no-sweat same-game parlay every Thursday from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. It doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel if you already have an account. Every Thursday night, you'll get free bets back if your NFL same-game parlay doesn't hit. Same-game parlays are the perfect way to combine your bets for a chance at a bigger parlay. This looks like a terrible spot for the Dolphins 
on Thursday night. So maybe that's the value. Maybe you put together a little Miami Miami money line, which is plus plus one seventy range as we're taping this. Get Tyreek Hill in there as an anytime touchdown score, and maybe even get Tyreek Hill hundred yards because. If they're going to win the game, Tyreek Hill's probably going to do some stuff. We'll see who's the quarterback for them. Do a bet like that. Build your own or choose from one of the popular same-game parlays pre-built for you in FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook. Whatever you want to play, you can bet the NFL every Thursday night with a no-sweat same-game parlay. Sign up with promo code BS if you don't already have an account. That is promo code BS to get free bets back if your same-game parlay doesn't hit. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner. Of the NFL must be 21 plus in select states, three plus legs, minimum $1 bet required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after receipt. Max free bet, $5. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game. And they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right at first half of the first game. I don't know, West Coast time. That's usually about 5 o'clock, 5.30. Perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. All right, Brian Windhorst. I'm giving you four LeBron outcomes for the last stage okay. of LeBron. Because I think we are entering now the last stage of LeBron. Uh, I agree. Yep. Now, somebody could watch Tom Brady's career and be like, well, wait, what was the... Tom Brady was telling us he was going to play till 45 when he was in like 2010. I'm not surprised that he's still playing. LeBron has different wear and tear things against him in basketball. Just like any... He's now Neil Armstrong. If Once he gets to like 70,000 minutes and some of this <laughs> stuff and... 300 playoff games or whatever. Like, these are just things I have no idea how to even calculate them. But here are the four options. Number one, Laker for life. Number two, Cleveland 3.0. Number three, title chaser. And number four, assuming his son can be good enough, which I think is a huge, huge variable that I don't want to count on. And I would say the odds are against it, not for it. But I just want to play with my son. I don't care. I'll, you name yeah, the well, team. Yeah, well, which son? That's the key. Could, yeah, either could son. Could be the second one. Yeah. Hanging on for as long as possible to play with one of the sons. I'm going to make the case for title chaser. Wow. Because I think he can chase the title in a way that's not Mitch Richmond on the 2000 Lakers. Like you think like even Carl Malone on the 04 Lakers who got hurt in the playoffs and they were never the same, but he was a really valuable member of that team yeah, on and off the sure. court and was still pretty good. And by and the his, way, that his team body was broke good. Down. Yeah. They, they weren't like 67 wins like people might've thought, but that team was very good. That team beat the Spurs a spur yeah. during the middle of the Duncan run. That team was like a minus 500 favorite in the finals. So it's not, it's not like that season was a failure. But at the same time, like, you know, I'm looking at the at the odds with LeBron here. Just people still in the league. So you go through the 03, 06, 04, 05, 06 drafts. Iguodala's 38, 04 draft. Carmelo, 38, 03. Millsap, who I don't need. Is he even on a team this year? No. He's, he's out. Not All right, so he's out. Right Cross him off. Chris Paul's 37, 05. Aldridge, 37, 06. 
He's not. He doesn't have a team right now. Doesn't have a team. Lowry and Gay are 06 draft, both 36, and Dwight Howard, 05 draft, 36. Doesn't those have are a his quote-unquote age range peers. <laughs> and all right. of those guys, except for Chris Paul, are on their way out of the league. Right. And Chris Paul, I don't know how many more years he has. So when you think of it that way, it's like, all right, not only would this be incredible just with NBA history, everyone from his quote-unquote class is either gone or on their way out or they're Chris Paul. And that's it. That's the entire list. So I don't, I don't know what to count on, which makes me wonder if title chaser, because he, he's got the four rings, he's two behind Jordan, he's one behind Kobe, he's one behind Duncan, he's the same amount as Curry. Is he going to be happy just having the four rings if he's thinking about how do I put together my argument that I'm the GOAT, I'm the best player of all time? I don't think the four rings is going to be enough. I don't. Well, I will say that last year, as a 36 turning 37-year-old, he had his second highest scoring average in his career. Now, the game is played differently than early on. I mean, boy, some of the old LeBron games that um, you can watch on NBA TV, mm. it's rough. It's, I mean, he's great, but it's rough basketball. It's rough basketball. The league's way worse. It just was. That's, that's oh, a reality. God. Go through the all-NBA teams. The team, we just didn't have the same level of talent. We didn't. I mean, if I, I was just at the Timberwolves' um, uh, first practice today. And I was watching him out there, and Carl Towns isn't even here. He's um, yeah. under the weather. But I'm look, I'm looking at this team, and I'm like, there'd be years where this team would be number two seed in the West. Uh, like there'd be 30 media outlets here because this team would be, you know, loaded. Like think of the, some of the teams that KG was on that would have loved to have. Right. Like this is a team that like might play great this year and finish fifth or sixth in the West. Or like, seven, it might not be a like, bad year. Literally, they could finish seventh, and I wouldn't be yeah. shocked. Yeah. So okay. So here's the well, thing. Wait, then I flip, don't... That, flip that around with LeBron in 2018. Look at the team he was on in 2018, and put that team in the West with like a peak LeBron. I think that team's probably not a top five seed. The league's just better. Anyway, I interrupted you. Yeah. No. I mean, that's the thing, Bill. Like some of the years that LeBron got through the East with the Cavs. Yeah. Those teams would have, I mean, forget about it. Forget about getting out of the second round with some of those teams. Yeah. Even with LeBron at that power, with where the East is right now. Anyway, so here's the thing. I have a hard time seeing him not being a Laker or a Cavs. So if you're going to say title chaser. It's the Cavs. Is it got to be, it's kind of, kind of wrapped with Cleveland 3.0. And You're you right. So that so I should have that should have been my fifth option: Cleveland 3.0 and title chaser. That's like the hybrid model. Yeah. Um, because I don't think any. So here's the thing: in this world where we're in right now, I think on one hand, I think you, these players get so much crap for like the quality of their titles. Like, yeah. It it it. I know they're just trying to get under Durant's skin. Because he can have his skin gotten under. He's made it clear that you can get to him. Yeah. And I don't understand why he does that. But like the people who get on Durant for quote unquote not having a legit title um, is so annoying to me. Um, and it's now gotten worse because the Warriors won one without him with mostly the same core. And I just think that like if LeBron goes like and signs with Memphis to like 
support John ja Morant in three years. I just think that that is a look that he's not going to want. So Cleveland has four dudes in their early to mid-20s who are pretty good. I don't think they're a title team right now. But like, I could see them when Evan Mobley like is in his fourth or fifth year. You know, those guys are now like 27, 28, 29 instead of 22, 23, 24. And LeBron could come in and play a role. I could see that. Um, by the way, like I could say it next Cavs, year, the Cavs are in horrible need of a three and, um, you know, well, look, they need, they, but they need a three that can defend too, which is right, at this point right. in his career. But like next year you could see him in that kind of, uh, whatever role Kevin Love is in this year, like a fancy version of that, that he could be like their backup point guard and he could also play the four and multi, and he's like a Swiss army knife all over the place. I think Cleveland's very realistic and I'm higher on them than you are. I, I think Moby's special. And Oh, I think he is too, but I don't know what Moby's going to be. It could be next I, year for him though. It might, you said year four, year five. Next year might be when he starts to become an impact guy, especially defensively. So yeah, I'm sure. I guarantee LeBron has been watching that and the Mitchell trade. He was, you know, same thing like when you remember 2014 when, uh, when Cleveland won the lottery. Oh, no. It, you, or 2013, well, yeah. when uh, Cleveland won the lottery, and it was kind of the first time we're like, uh-oh. Well, hmm. first off, LeBron was like complimenting the Cavs during that run. Yeah, that, that, that was year. just, they were little breadcrumbs being, being yeah, sprinkled. Like, I mean, he was like praising like Deion Waiters, who he, you know, got rid of in about 15 minutes. But yeah. like, he was like, yeah, they, they got something going. And I remember the night the Cavs won that last lottery, the lottery that got them the Wiggins pick. Um, yeah, 2014. Yeah, uh, it was Heat Pacers Eastern Conference Finals, and I remember being in the Heat locker room after the game and hearing LeBron talk about the Cavs winning the lottery. Um, you know, not like in a sinister way, but like noting it. <laughs> um, I think I got in trouble on TV that night because I said something like LeBron was off that game, and I was like, I think LeBron was thrown that the Cavs won the lottery. Fuck you. <laughs> Get on that. But it was like, um, yeah, so I think I'm with you on the Cleveland thing and we don't need to explain the DNA. There's a third team though. Okay. Something I've noticed for the last couple of years and you were a Dallas. student. No, you're a student of this stuff. We went from, he did not seemingly like Steph Curry and there was a real rivalry there. Yeah. He was very dismissive of the Warriors. And I think felt like Steph was on his corner a lot of ways as this was supposed to be my league. Oh, where'd this new hot young star come from? They win the title in 15. Yeah. He gets revenge in 16, but there was a lot of something. And I remember going to that game in 2018, the, the legendary game LeBron played when it looked like he was going to fight Curry and there was like an anger oh, with yeah. LeBron. I, you were there. Oh, yeah. I hadn't oh, yeah. seen that level of like a real fuck you with him toward Curry. I was like, ah, oh, these guys don't like each other. And I asked Curry about it that summer and he, he didn't really deny it. He's like, hey, we both want the same thing. But then in the last couple of years where you have LeBron starts taking Curry when he's the all-star captain, last year was going kind of out of his way to praise Curry and was doing tweets during the playoffs. Like, oh my God, this boy's red hot and stuff he never did. And I was like, hmm, wonder if he's, Greasing the skids just in case. 
Well, then there was Draymond's Green, Draymond Green's wedding this summer where they all posted right. that photo with the four. Like, hey, let's get the four title club together. Like, mm. there, there's no way. Like, that's LeBron. Like, with a, I mean, he would not have done. Do you think he would have done that five years ago? Hell I do not. No. Yeah, I do Hell not think no. he does that. No. Um, now, so the reason I thought that he was sort of making nice, nice with Curry a couple of years ago was because there was some, and if Joe Lacob was on this pod, he would laugh at me and go, what are you talking about? But there was some wonder about whether Curry would take that last contract with Golden State. Now, look, it ended up being 0.0 drama. The Warriors offered the full boat, you know, but he had yeah. some injury issues. The Warriors were looking at, of you know, a $400 million payroll. Nobody was sure they were going to do it. Um, but I thought that he was, you know, giving him the wink wink because he was like, hey, you know, if, if you don't take that Lakers. last contract, you can come down to the Lakers because that's what happened with Kyrie. Yeah. When Kyrie was headed towards free agency and it was clear he wasn't going to stay in Boston, LeBron, all of a sudden, the two of them kind of mended that fence. Um, and I think it was based on that the concept of playing together again in LA. And then it, look, it didn't work out. It didn't happen, but um, that's what I thought. But now that I've seen LeBron, who is theoretically still competing with Steph for the West titles, I'm not, that photo was, if I had shown LeBron that photo, you know, in 2018, like he'd have thought he was like Photoshopped. Right. You know, Steph was in his way uh, in a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah I and you just, know, there's also the Under Armour Nike thing. You know, Steph was, you know, you're saying take his corner. Like Steph was like, you know, the kids started wearing Steph jerseys. Yeah. And there was like that brief moment where Under Armour was like a thing. And it was bigger like, than that, though, because Steph took the kids, which I think LeBron felt like yeah. he had the kids and Kobe was basically passing the kids to him. And then all of a sudden Steph showed up. Yeah, and you have kids, kids showing up 90 too. minutes before the game watching Steph warm up, which... But by the way, that's the business aspect of it is why that, you know, if you're a warrior, you get access to all those Silicon Valley dudes. Not that LeBron needs that. Like, he could get that anyway, but like... Yeah, part of, it's not, part not of a bad LeBron's thing. Doing, right, part of what LeBron's doing is post-career stuff. I mean, um, we're doing super NBA gossip stuff here, but... I, I was watching Lake up very closely this summer, and I think he was the only one on the Warriors side who was genuinely interested in Durant. And Curry, Curry, I'm sure, was like, oh, you know, and he's, Curry stated publicly, oh, yeah, of course, we're, we're going to think about it. It's Kevin Durant. I think Lake up is seeing this whole dynasty piece that's sitting there for this team now where it's like, all right, if we get a couple more of these, we go down in history now. This is a totally different animal which is why they kicked the tires on Durant and which is why I think if it's something like they could add somebody like LeBron to all of their infrastructure, add that a year from now, that ties into, I think, how he thinks of the team. And the key for me is if they keep Draymond and Wiggins, that will tell me they're just in for $400 million a year for the foreseeable future. This is just what we're doing. Well, here's what you got to give Joe Lake up credit for. Like people get annoyed with him because he can be arrogant or cocky. Yeah. But look at his resume. Yeah. He he is he has always thought big. He's like me and my partners and you know, he's got a lot of partners, but we're going to build this arena. We're going to be the highest earning team. I mean, I mean, 
with all due respect, you know, they had a great fan base in Oakland, but that was a second tier NBA city. Yeah. Despite their, despite their market size and despite their support of their fans. They, yeah, they Look had the best building. fan base, but the, like one of the smallest populations, which is why they're yeah. drawing from San Francisco. But yeah, you're right. If he yeah. wanted to so, scale it up, he had yeah, to move. I mean, it was sad. Like, the, the, the Warriors now are like, if I'm not mistaken, the Warriors are nine digits ahead of the Lakers on revenue. Wow. Now, Jesus. part of that <clears throat> is because they've had these long, you know, they had a long playoff run. But um, if I ever told you that the Lakers would be nine digits behind the Warriors, you'd have told me you were crazy. I mean, to be, to be honest with you, it's the Lakers who should have built their own arena. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the Lakers that should be doing like what Balmer is doing, like what the Warriors did. Um, but look, well, that's another topic for another day. But, no, but it's an important topic. And I do wonder if it plays into how LeBron thinks about all this stuff, because I just don't think the Lakers have shown any vision here for, you know, 12, 13 years now. Well, not and compared to Golden State and... Not compared to and, any top level the, the Clippers. Team. Listen, yeah. if well, LeBron... They weren't... People weren't going there for meetings by the mid-2010s. And if LeBron just didn't want to live here... What are what do they look? They have basically a young nucleus like every other team, and we're watching. They probably let Lonzo go and Brandon Ingram, and they maybe they get one kind of near the end free agent. But I think LeBron really saved their ass in a lot of ways, just because he wanted to come there. Then Davis comes, and they have the one title. But well, I don't yeah, know. LeBron I don't wanted to them. come there without assurances that anybody else would be there with him. He, like I said, he it was a vote in the city of Los Angeles and the Laker brand. And it, and he was a right. four year vote. Um, yeah. And he made a real commitment to them, which, you know, <clears throat> yeah, well that, that's one thing that, I mean, look, the city of Cleveland, LeBron, LeBron owes the city of Cleveland, nothing. Uh, the city of Cleveland owes LeBron everything from a sports perspective. Yeah. Um, but he kept the Cavs on the shortest leash. And then when they wanted to trade for Paul George, you know, um, the, you know, the, 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 the Pacers were willing to do it, but they wanted the pick to be unprotected because they knew what other people knew, which was that, or suspected, which was that LeBron might walk, was very likely going to walk. And they want, it's the same reason why people want the Lakers 2027 unprotected first now, because they're right. like, well, LeBron and AD could be gone or aged out. And um, the only way the Cavs were going to give the pick unprotected was if LeBron extended. And LeBron was not prepared to extend. And so the deal died. I, you know, they had several different um, bites at that apple. It didn't work. And, you know, that pick that, they, that the Pacers were trying to get was the pick that turned into Darius Garland. Mm. So it's a darn good thing that the Cavs didn't give it. I mean, you know, maybe if they had LeBron and Paul George, it would have been different and it wouldn't have turned out that way. But that was what the Pacers were Was Love at. in that and, trade? Love was in that trade, right? Um, there was a version of it and There's you know, two I don't versions have it, of it. but there, there was one point where love was going to be in Denver. That's yep. where he was going to end up and that he wasn't going to end up in Indiana. And that was the one that almost got done. Um, and, uh, but LeBron wouldn't commit to the extension and Dan Gilbert wouldn't agree to trade an unprotected pick and the, the Pacers wouldn't do it without an unprotected pick. And within a year, LeBron was gone and Paul George asked for a trade. So, um, but 
One other team that I'll bring up, I did mention earlier, Dallas. He yeah, I thought that have, was an interesting interesting one for you. Yeah, he does have an affinity for Luca. That's not exactly a, a hot take. You know, he tried to get Luca. You know, LeBron doesn't have people who wear his brand. He's the only one. I mean, officially, there's a lot of guys yeah. who wear his shoe. He wanted, when Luca signed with Nike, he wanted Luca to be like a LeBron guy. He wanted Luca to be in the brand. And um, kind of like Jordan has all these guys. And it didn't go that way. Luca ended up going with Jordan. But, you know, I think there's, you know, take something from that. He does, you know, have his long ties to the Cowboys. Um, no state tax. Well, and then we also have, I, I'm just going to keep saying this till I'm blue in the face, but we know he's going to be involved with the Vegas expansion team whenever they get that done. And I don't think they have the rule in place that you can't play if you're a part owner of the team, but we've seen the league get around this in all these different ways. I don't think expansion will happen until after the, probably probably the year after yeah. the media rights deal, but it's happening. It's going to happen. Yeah, the, so if you look at the league right now, the talent says yes. that there's, there's room for expansion. Yes. But the economics don't really because there's still teams that are taking a lot of revenue sharing money. Um, there, there are not 30 healthy markets. And so the other thing is, and I had an owner explain this to me, and this is not a financial podcast, and I'm not, I don't have an MBA. I don't work for Goldman Sachs, but the MBA owners have been able to borrow money pretty effectively at a pretty favorable rate. And so when they've needed access to financing, they've been able to get it. Yeah, and so to them, the even if they get like the Phoenix Suns are going to, from what I can tell from talking to folks, are going to blow people's doors off for what they sell for. I said um, that last week on the pod. I predicted four. What four. did you say? Four four. I am not going to dispute that. Yeah, um, it's going to be over four million or four I billion. I, so when I first came out, I said I thought it would be. I thought it would be three. Mm -mm. And I have been educated that I, I mean, there are people who were like, oh, you know, they may go for over two. And I was like, you're not going to, if over two, they're not even going to take return your phone call. No, Um, it's it's four, five, four, five range. I did four, four to be safe, but I think it's between four, four and four, seven. I, I, uh, I'm not disputing that with you. Mm. So if that's the going rate for the Phoenix Suns, the price for expansion, you know, which, you know, this makes the league very nervous. They get they get upset when you talk about expansion. Um, but obviously, you know, there's a there's a huge thing about expansion, which is that um, you don't have to share the money with the players. It's not referred to as basketball related income. So yes, if you sir. get, you know, if you get four billion dollars from two expansion teams, um, let me just do a little math. No, let's go. Let's say let's say four and five. Let's go crazy. Let's say nine million nine billion for the two teams. And they cut it up three hundred million a team, and they don't have to share right. that with the players. <clears throat> right. So it's three, guess so who's voting? Yes, <laughs> a lot of the teams. But so here's the thing, though. Like, yeah, but they they're diluting their shares of the league. So not if I mean they are, but not if they put stuff in where you don't get the stuff until five years. You get to participate in the media. Like, there's right. ways so, to do it to make it right. favorable. So I think like a year or eighteen months ago when money was really cheap, when these guys were borrow, were able to borrow now that now borrowing isn't as cheap. Yeah. And 
the it, we're about to see i think and you think that we're about to see another big burst in franchise values like we we saw the big burst with the clippers but then we haven't really i mean obviously franchises are still going for very high and these these hedge funds are buying in for good numbers but um we haven't seen like the big jump. Like I think, well, we haven't um, seen one of the one of the major teams hasn't been for sale. Right. I said on Thursday's pod, there's eight teams that are just different than the other twenty two, and Phoenix is one of the eight. And plus, you get all right. the people that they can live in L.A. and they can fly an hour and they're at the game. That's right. You can fly back and forth, so you're getting all this California money. That's a whole different animal. Yeah, the the really rich guys did not want to buy the Timberwolves. No. They just didn't want to buy it. They the offered more than the great. one five though. Um, hold on. We got to take a break and then I have a couple more things for you quick and then we'll go. This episode of the Bill Simmons podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm, is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Summer is all about fun vacations, but I know that being away from home can be stressful. So many things can happen. That's why I like to recommend Simply Safe, award-winning security that can help give you peace of mind when you're away. The only thing you should worry about while you're on vacation is having too much fun. Having my home, it's great. Couldn't work better. I think Simply Safe is the best because it comes with a variety of indoor and outdoor cameras, sensors, to detect break-ins, fires, floods, and more. It's backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. It's given me, my family, many others, real peace of mind. I'm waiting to have it too. Try it out. A 60-day money-back guarantee. No contracts right now. Get 20% off any Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash BS. That is Simply Safe with two S. Simplysafe.com slash BS. There's no safe like Simply Safe. I had a couple of LeBron wild cards for you. Okay. We cover it. We hit just about everything I wanted to hit, except are we sure Anthony Davis wouldn't be one of the moves if LeBron knows he's going to be here this year and next? How how close is the AD-LeBron combination? Do you feel like that's like Tubbs and Crockett, that that's Batman and Robin, that those guys are just tied? Or if they got a really good offer for Davis that allowed them to rebuild a little bit, get some stuff, open things up, um, and maybe potentially make themselves a better team for somebody who's had just an incredible amount of trouble staying on the court that they wouldn't think about that. So here's the thing. We have, we've just been talking about how much talent there is. Um, we're going to get to mid-season and there's going to be, you know, we're going to have a game of musical chairs. Yes. We're going to have teams that are like, wait a minute. <laughs> we're near the tax, or maybe we're looking at being in the tax, and my stars are older. And look at these stud because this draft class is exciting. And 
we're in 12th place or we're in ninth place. And even if we do great, we're, we're not even getting out of the play-in. And so the league is top-heavy right now. And that's why, like, make fun of the Thunder all you want. Like, the Thunder are doing exactly what they should be doing because they can't compete in that level. And, like, this is like the Jazz. Like, I keep laughing out loud every time Danny Ainge or Justin Zanuck, two people I respect, are acting like, oh, we're not tanking. Oh, my gosh. Um. I mean, we were going to still try to compete. No, you should be losing as much as you possibly can. Every win should be disappointing. And um, Danny used to agonize when Brad Stevens would pull these wins out during his two-year tanking uh, session. That was never happened because Brad Stevens was too good. He fought it off. I've been a little connected to the Jazz for the last few months. Yeah. Like, Almost nothing that the Jazz has said publicly for four or five months has actually been true. <laughs> they, we're not going to trade Gobert. No, we're, we're, we're going to build around Donovan. The we're, Mitchell no, thing gonna, was the best. Yeah, no, no, Mitchell's yeah. here. It's like, no, he's not. We're going to build around here. Uh, we don't have to trade Bogdanovich before camp. That's not important. Like, and I just saw you know at Media Day, they're like, you know, we've got good veterans. Like, you know, yeah. we're going to try to win these games. It's like, don't judge their don't judge their words, judge their actions. But so my point is like, if we get to, what if we get to January and the Lakers are sitting there in 10th or 11th place? Well, what if, yeah, what if LeBron misses 20 games with a pulled hamstring and the Lakers are 20 and 35? Like, here's the thing. Like, what if this Westbrook situation isn't actually a disaster? What if Westbrook actually accepts a lesser role. Yeah. Hits some corner threes and like they don't have to send him home. <laughs> he like, lost me in the quarter threes, but go ahead. Okay. Let's <laughs> just say that like it doesn't go terribly. Yeah. But they're still in like 11th place. Like yeah. that's like that's possible. Like this is what I'm Well, what who I'm do, how about like, this? Who do you like more than them I, or less than them out of Golden State, Clippers, Memphis, Phoenix, Denver, Dallas, Minnesota, New Orleans? I don't think they have a better roster than any of those eight teams. I don't. Well, just think, they finished 11th last year. Okay? Now think of the teams that finished in front of them. Who do we know for sure they're passing? Okay, we know for sure they're passing Utah. Utah's coming backwards. But but on the flip side, yeah, you have New Orleans jumping up. Although I guess New Orleans was ahead of them already. You you could argue Sacramento improved more than they did. I'm just looking at like I thought the Schroeder thing was hilarious because Schroeder last year the Celtics tried to trade for three weeks before the deadline, as you know. <laughs> yeah. They're trying to give away to everybody, and then at the last second, the Rockets were like, "Hey, we kind of want to get off this Tice contract. We'll take Schroeder if you know if you." And the Celtics were like, great, and they dumped yes. Schroeder. Right? No playoff team wanted him, and then the Lakers get him three weeks ago, and everybody's like, Schroeder. Great deal. Savvy. Minimum. And it's like, what are you guys talking about? No playoff team wanted him six months ago. This was not savvy. Lonnie Walker was the worst mid-level exception guy anyone signed in this whole league. They did not make themselves better. Is it really the way well, they're, they're going to get they, better they is if Davis shoot. is good. They don't have any shooting. That's This is what, you know. You know or perimeter just, defense. I, they're missing the two things that helped them win the title three years ago, and they still I, didn't address it. I know that's another topic of conversation. The point that you're making about Dan Davis is, is like, what if, like, it's one thing that the Lakers are a disaster, but what if they're not a disaster, but they're still not good enough, which I think, I just don't think they're good enough. I mean, 
as good as LeBron and AD are, they could have good seasons. Lonnie Walker could be like better than we think. Russell Westbrook could not have to be sent home in November and they mm. could still be in 10th place. Like th- this is what I keep saying. Like I was in Cleveland two weeks ago when Donovan Mitchell arrived. And I was talking to the Cavs folks. I was like, guys, this team could be awesome and you could finish sixth because that's the nature of it. So like somebody at midseason, maybe two teams, and I'm, I'm looking at the Chicago Bulls mm. and Lonzo Ball gave an interview today, Tuesday. It was an extraordinarily depressing interview about the state of his knee. Yeah, it sounds that he, brutal. That he can't go upstairs without pain, that he can't run. Like they don't, that the doctors have to go in there and see what's wrong. Like if you're a Bulls fan, like you've got to be vomiting in the trash can hearing that. And you're looking at the East, you're looking at Atlanta trading for all stars and the Cavs trading for all stars. Those are teams that were behind you that just, went past you. So like what happens to the bulls at midseason? What happens to the Lakers maybe at midseason? So like, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to write that down in my imaginary notebook. Yeah. Which you just brought up now. The Lakers Thank, are thanks for the not mentioning opposite. the Celtics. Thanks for not mentioning the Celtics and the, what happens to them. But why, would I appreciate they, that. But why, why would the Celtics be that way? I think the Celtics are awesome. Okay, great. I, I, you know, it's been not an easy week. I agree. And maybe <laughs> they won't be as good as they were last year, but they're like... No, they'll still be good. Yeah. They'll still be defensively. I mean, but yeah, it hasn't been an awesome offseason. Well, it was a good offseason. Like well, Tim Bontemps got from hurt. our staff. Right. Like three weeks ago, Tim Bontemps from our staff, in, like he surveyed like a couple dozen NBA executives. They said, who had the best offseason? Celtics finished first. First. <laughs> three weeks ago. <laughs> the NBA moves um, fast. The Knicks are another team that I feel like could godfather offer Davis. And I do feel like that was a piece of not ultimately going too far with Mitchell because I just feel like the way I said this before, but the way the league works now, there's going to be another Mitchell. There's going to be, you're just sitting in that bar stool waiting for the opposite sex to come in. And if you didn't click with the one, well, guess what? Two hours later, somebody else is going to be sitting in the stool next to you and you just got to be ready. That's right. And, Here's the other thing, though. I think right now the Lakers think that they're going to take advantage of that. They think we're yeah. going to get to December or January and we're going to have this Westbrook contract and we're going to have With these the picks. picks. Yeah. And like maybe that's what will happen. So, like, but, the Bulls are like, oh my God, we, we're a fringe playoff team. What are we doing? Maybe we just cash in our DeRozan and some other stuff and. We'll take that Westbrook. We'll grab some picks. We can use those picks to yeah. trade this summer. And we'll I reboot. mean, ultimately, Westbrook is in a very valuable expiring contract. It's it's a huge number. You don't come across those type of expiring contracts. And um, so I'm just like right today in September, I'm looking at the Bulls after seeing this Lonzo interview going, yeah. boy, I don't know what's going to happen with them. But it, But three weeks from now, it could be another team that well, I Well, and let's be honest. It, it could be Brooklyn. I mean, the odds of the Brooklyn thing going awesome. Well, to me, if you're going to create a scenario for why the Lakers shouldn't do anything right now, it's just waiting for Kyrie. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, waiting you know. for Kyrie either in the trade deadline or as a, I guess as a free agent. But, you know, I'm on the record as I think Kyrie has now become the most overvalued star we have. He hasn't had playoff success 
it's for five hard, years. It's, it's hard to talk to a Boston guy about Kyrie and it to just, be. He got swept last year in the playoffs and yeah. did not play well and has not played well in the playoffs in five years. Like at some point, half a decade of lack of playoff success, I think. No, it's true. Start, and it's, he's in his 30s now and he's a small guard. And I I think there's some really well, obvious it, red flags. Yes. I mean, the, the, the Nets not signing Kyrie this summer was partially about his attitude, but it wasn't 100% about his attitude. And there was a reason why no teams were falling all over themselves to clear space right. to try to go get him when he could have been a free agent. And I mean, Kyrie said it himself at media day. I had very few options. Hmm. Um, yeah, so, he said he probably cost himself four years, hundred million. I think that that seemed low. Um, I had the last thing on my list was, yeah, what a Lakers rebuild would look like if they traded Davis trade deadline and then LeBron in the offseason and they just like, all right, we got our title. We're going to cash in these two chips. We had input with LeBron on where he wanted to go and could they be back to, you know, the post-Kobe Lakers next year? I wouldn't rule that out, right? The only thing is Jeannie Buss has this belief and I think it's a smart one. Yeah. And it's the reason why they gave Kobe that last contract is that you take care of your star players, even if that means you have to swallow a year or two um, because you have to maintain. And that's one thing about Jeannie Buss. Like, no matter what you want to say, she has done a very good job of, of uh, restoring the brand. Yeah. And she was a part of that. And so I would think that they would be very careful about that. Um, well, unless LeBron was like, trade me to a contender. Like, as I mentioned before, four rings. I was looking at like finals records and stuff with him. You know, like Jordan was 30 and seven just in finals games. Crazy. Russell was 45 and 25. Um, Duncan was 23 and 11. Kobe was 23 and 14. And LeBron's 22 and 33. Curry was 21 and 13. Shaq, 17 and 13. Havlicek's 31 and 16. West was 22 and 33. Elgin, 16 and 28. Magic was 24 and 26. So out of the greatest players, only four of them are below 500 in the finals. And I still think he's going to, I still think he wants one more. And I think four is, is plus what if Curry passes him and gets to five and he's got four, all this stuff's going to be leveraged against him when we're doing the greatest of all time arguments. And I do think he cares about it. This is the thing about LeBron. I wrote a piece about this last year. And it's buried in nuance. The nuance is not, it doesn't sell in our society. But one of the the things that makes LeBron great is his ability to handle the losses. Yep. It's it's his ability to bounce back. It's his ability to, to absolutely look at the situation and say, like in 2018, he's sitting there with the Cavs team that is gutted. And they've just lost eight out of nine finals games to the Warriors. He's in trouble. He maneuvers and two years later, he's holding the trophy right now. Like, and I know that we're in this world where what is the number of rings? I have to have the number. If I don't have the number, we're not going to have a conversation like that accomplishment, you know, and the same thing, like in, like in Cleveland, like he is facing an uphill battle against the Warriors to get even one out of there. He pulled one out. 
And again, people will run out and they'll, and they'll start, they'll bring up the record. And it's like, but you don't understand those finals losses and how he dealt with them is part of his greatness. I remember hearing Gary Player talk about Jack Nicholas once. And, Jack, and Gary Player was said that Jack Nicholas was the game's greatest loser. And I kind of thought it was him saying, don't forget that um, I beat him quite a few times, everybody. But Jack Nicholas had 17, you know, he had 18 majors and 17 runner-ups. And the point that um, that player was making was that Jack had a lot of near misses. Mm. He had a lot of near misses. And yet he never let it get him down. He just kept coming back and coming back. LeBron has never let the near misses get him down. And people use it against him. But how many in those 33 finals games was it because he didn't give a great effort? There were a couple, specifically in the Dallas series, for sure. But how 11 many and, yeah, 2011 is the tough one. 07 right. overmatch, you almost throw out those four games. And then right. 2018, so, same thing. I'm not sure what else. He was, they were getting swept no matter what happened in that series. Right. So, like, I mean, there was at least two finals. You know, the, the 2018 finals, I think he averaged a triple-double. He was amazing. I mean, so like I, you know, you're right. People are going to use that against him, and it, and it. I'm sure it does dog him, and he, you know, he may be like, man, I would really like to get that fifth, whether it's in L.A., whether it's in Cleveland, whether maybe it is, you know, can I go up to Golden State? But I just don't think that people appreciate the nuance. Like one of the things that we took out of the Last Dance was that you know, Jordan laying on that couch in that hotel room yeah, saying, I can't do it anymore. I'm done. LeBron never was done. He yeah. kept coming back and coming back and coming back. And that longevity is his claim to greatness. And our society is not ready for that conversation. And when I have brought it up, I immediately get branded. Well, you're a LeBron guy, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, fine, whatever. But I was there after seasons when LeBron had pushed his body to the absolute limit and his team didn't have enough. And the next fall, he was fresh as a daisy in incredible shape and had shoved his team to get better. And I saw it over and over and over. So he doesn't get credit for that. It's used against him, but that is a reality. And, you know, and, th and that's why it is, a, it is, in my view, a gear change that he would not continue to do that with the, the Lakers. And maybe, you know, Rob Palenka in his media day interview kind of implied that there was a understanding that if he extended that they would trade those picks. And maybe that is what happened. But, and maybe LeBron will end up being right about this. But, you know, this is like sort of the first time where he hasn't just been full gas in, you know, more than a decade. That was a good way to bring it full circle. I agree with you. I think they have an agreement. They're going to make a trade with those picks in the Westbrook contract. And I think they're going to try to go all in. The question for me is what happens if it doesn't work? And you mentioned... Should they? Should they? They're going to try to go all in, but should they? Yeah. That's and it, sure. do, is there the right player? But you mentioned the resilience that he has, especially after losses. I thought that was a great point. The other thing he's shown that he doesn't get credit for or even really noticed, I remember writing about it in 2014 when he jumped to Cleveland and everybody's like, oh, he's coming home. 
unfinished. And I was like, that's the best basketball decision. That dude's always going to make what the best basketball decision is. He's done that his whole career. He knew in 2010, Cleveland, it wasn't going to happen there. And he made a basketball decision. He did it again in 2014. 2018, he throws away the next, the 19 year, right? He knows the Cleveland thing's going to an end. He knows he wants to be in LA. And he also knows that they will be able to put together something. They have all these. So that was also in a weird way, a basketball decision. I think it'll be a basketball decision. I don't think, I don't see him just fading into like being happy, like with how Kobe spent the last two seasons, where it's just like, come see Kobe. It's my two year farewell tour. I don't see that. I think he's driven by the titles. I think it's going to bother him if he has one less than Kobe and if Curry gets one more than him and that he has two less than Jordan. I do think he cares. How much do you think the Laker fans are going to be interested in the chase for Kareem's record? I Well, that brings the fundamental question of do they consider LeBron a like a full-fledged tier one Laker or is he a guy who's playing on the Lakers? Because I've heard mixed... From Laker fans, I've heard different answers to that question. If Kobe was still alive, I think it would be different. Yeah. But now that Kobe is basically the North Star that LeBron can never live up to, I'll be interested to see, especially if the Lakers are not having a great year. Like if if they're in ninth place and haven't done a trade and it's like February 3rd or even, you know, and he's like going for the record. You know, I think the Lakers are going to be thinking about this season. You know, they're going to be like, right. Well, you know, like when, like when he passed Kobe, he got like a, yeah, it felt like know, he was a, barely a on the team at that point. Yeah. yeah. I listen, everything hinges on Davis because Davis, if he's right, is still one of the best 12 players in the league. And if he comes out of the gate hot, LeBron, can, they can, hang around, be above hot 500, heading toward that Westbrook trade zone. You know, there'll be five unhappy teams and that'll be the roadmap, you know? And it's it's conceivable. I really would, I would bet against the Lakers. I think they're a playing team. But I also wouldn't be surprised if the Davis-LeBron combo coming out of the gate was really good. And we were like, whoa, look at these guys. Haven't seen this in a while. I could see that scenario. I know, I've... I've um, been highly critical of the way they've put this team together. And I've just flat out said, I don't believe that they believe this is going to work. Yeah. Um, the Westbrook thing's but, tough. But they do have two Hall of Famers. <laughs> yeah. So I just think the league's too tough. I just think the, I just, there's no, there's no gifts in the Western Conference. And not it's only the that, hardest, the, the hardest the it's been. Yeah. The Lakers, for a long time used to enjoy a softer early schedule because the TV networks wanted all their tough games after the Super Bowl. Mm. So their back half of their schedule always had the tough games. The Lakers easy and then they, you know, they would start the season and they would play like because they had to save their East Coast trips for the back half. The Lakers would play like 12 of their first 17 games in LA. Like they'd play the Clippers as one of their early road games or whatever. That's not, and that was the case last year. That's not the case anymore. Their schedule early on is not as soft because their schedule isn't as TV. And they're on TV still a ton, but their schedule isn't as TV based. So they're not even going to have the same soft, you know, entry that they would have mm. had in other years, including last year. 
lot of fascinating stuff. By the way, just for the record, those numbers again, he's Kareem's record is 38,387 points. LeBron should pass that probably at about the 60 to 70% point of the season, depending on the injuries. Yeah, like late January, early February, depending on a lot of factors. If he also play, stays healthy the whole year, most of it, he could pass Nash and be fourth in assists for all time, 10,335. Um, his points per game is 27.13. There's only six guys over 27, MJ, Wilt, Elgin, KD, LeBron, and West. And then he's got all these playoff numbers that it, the, the, sheer, the sheer stats with him I well, think you know, he'll be one he's of the already things. The all, he's already the all-time scoring leader because last year or, or he passed Oh, the combined. Kareem. Yeah, the combined yeah. thing. No yeah. one has ever scored more baskets and more points in the NBA than LeBron. I know that's not what the people, the record right. isn't, that's not what we recognize, but like, it's not nothing. He's going to have all that, of them. And yeah. then, they, then it's like, who passes him? Because Durant lost multiple years yeah. there. He was probably our one bet to at least challenge it. I don't think he's going to play enough. And then you now you're moving into like Luca land so, and Luca's so 23. Who knows? Rec- Kareem held the record, has held the record. What he retired 80. He broke it in the mid 80s. It was like 84, 85. He broke it. So okay, he's had so it ever he's, since. He's had the record for 35 ish years. No, like 38, 39. Okay. Yeah. And how he broke Wilt's record. How long did Wilt have the record? Wilt had it for. He retired in 74, so 10 years. Okay. Yeah. So in the last almost 50 years, 50 plus years, there's been two guys who've held the scoring record. So the answer is it could be it could be the person who breaks it. We don't know yet. It couldn't be two, born yet. Two of the most astoundingly durable, not just basketball players, but athletes we've ever had. I think Kobe would have broken it if he doesn't blow out his Achilles and go down the spiral of the last four or five years he had because he was focused on it. He wanted it. I think he had planned it out and he was going to break it. And then his body just didn't hold up. LeBron's body is held up. Yeah. LeBron isn't only one of the greatest players of all time. He's had one of the greatest careers, like the longevity. Yeah. It's him and Kareem. It's him and Kareem and that's it. All right, we didn't talk about the Celtics only because it's in HR legal land and there's nothing to talk uh-huh. about. We're going to eventually find out what happens, but as of I don't now, know it's enough. a lot of rumors. And you might, I'm the happened. same. People keep asking me, like, what happened? What's going on? It's like, this is in a situation where there's like five or six people work for the team who know what's going on and legal people in HR and Adoka side, and that's it. And nothing's going to come out until this whole process. And you know, nothing might ever Celtics. come out. I covered the Celtics in the second, third, and fourth rounds last year. Yeah. So I was there a lot. I would see you at some of the games with your dad. I love the fact that you would walk to the games. Oh, yeah. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, thank you. Um, I've been to, not, I haven't been to as many playoff games in Boston as you, but I've been to a lot. Um, I'm going to say two things about the Celtics before you go. Yeah. One, Ime was great for them. He made a really big difference. Yes. He was huge. That is a genuine loss. Two, they're still awesome. Mm. Um, and, I mean, I, I think Tatum, Tatum has MVP potential. It, it, I don't know if I'm ready to say he could win it this year, but like, you know, winning the MVP, first off, there's going to be a new MVP this year because Jokic is going to have to average like 
40 and 20, and they're going to have right. to win 60 games. Don't rule it out. Up. 40 and 20 is in play um, with them. <laughs> uh, so number one, that's there's going to probably be a new MVP. The, the standard for getting the third is just ludicrous. Um, and now there's a narrative position for Tatum if he if he's great. Especially with a lot of the turmoil. Robert Williams, now it's like he's three months. I, I feel like we're not going to see him before the all you know, the all-star break type thing. Or be super careful with him. Well, they said eight to twelve weeks until basketball activities. They didn't say eight to twelve weeks back on the starting yeah. lineup. Yeah. And a lot of people way, misinterpret that too. And then they have Al Horford, who's I mentioned all the old people from all those different drafts. Horford was in the 07 draft. He played in college a couple of years, but um what he gave them last year to me is inconceivable that he's going to do that again after playing a hundred games or whatever last year. Uh, I, yeah, we might get ninety uh, percent of it, we might get eighty-five percent of it, but we're not getting what he got last year. When was the last time you saw a defensive big man change a playoff game like Robert Williams does? He was unbelievable. Um, so they just need that. They know they need that back for the spring. They're going to be super yeah, careful right. with him in all for these sure. different ways. They need somebody for that gallow spot. And the, and then they need to well, keep Brogdon they, healthy because that's a piece they just didn't have last year, this playmaking guard that can carry an offense for six minutes. They were dying they, for that. They, they can still make a trade. They have another first they can trade. They have some pieces that, like Derek White they could trade. Now they have Brogdon, but they're awesome. They're I was like wondering... Really, really good. I was wondering, like if Danny was there, I'd be like, oh, they're definitely trading Gallinari. Like lock that one down. They'll use his yeah, contract, and but they, they I don't could. think this team, this organization, wouldn't. But the Jay Crowder floating around made me wonder if they would do a little Garen Larry Crowder, throwing Peyton Pritchard, and here's that's a problem, by the way, with the uh, Jay Crowder trade. I was just in Phoenix. The Phoenix can't do that type of trade. Phoenix has to trade Jay Crowder for a guy that's as good as Jay Crowder, right? Which I don't know if Jay Crowder understood that when he asked for a trade or when he didn't like, we don't know if Kevin Durant understood that. Well, We're glad you <laughs> want to be traded, but we still, you're still Kevin Durant. We need to get yeah. an awesome trade back for you. At least yesterday, he finally admitted that in the media day. Yes. He accepted their answer. Um, yeah. Is what he said, which it was a good answer. Um, yeah. He was very yeah, well I mean, media, good media training with Durant for that media day. I thought he was good. Yes. I actually, by the way, when Durant said that he thought that the Nets had a good offseason, I agreed with him. I do think they had a good offseason. I mean, we got to see, you know, TJ Warren still hasn't been cleared to play, but like I, the Royce O'Neal trade was an excellent trade. Like in theory, Ben Simmons, like I see that working. I mean, Ben Simmons is really good. I mean, I'm not like wagering my house on it, but like, what if it works? I mean, if you're going to say to me, well, it could be a total disaster, I'd be like, yes, it could. But if we're going to acknowledge it could be a total disaster, we have to also acknowledge what if it works. I think the, the, the line between what if it works and it could be a disaster is in place for like seven teams this year. I, I think it's one of the fascinating things about this season. Like Denver, Jamal Murray's still like, I'm getting used to the pace. Like I, I'm like, how are you not ready yet? You've been hurt for 20 months, but it doesn't seem like he's ready yet. And I had just penciled him in as, oh, they got Jamal Murray back. Porter's going to play. Like they, now I don't know. I don't know what to think. There's a lot of teams like that. We're just like, I don't know what to think yet. We, we were deploying our personnel to media days, and we couldn't. There was so much stuff going on. We couldn't 
get to Philly. Right. To find Skinny Harden, who's like, yeah, I actually am in the best shape I've been in in five years. It's like, you are? We, we, we like, like Philly, again, there's other years where Philly would be where like 30 people would be in the preseason. I mean, James Harden gave up a bunch of money to like undo the, the, the problems that happened from the trade from Houston. And then he like, is now like all of a sudden dedicated. And there's an investigation about that. And we mm. couldn't get there. We couldn't, we, we were like, listen, it's like six on the list. We, we got all these other fires we got to go to. That's hilarious. And, yeah. So, I mean, I, I mean, this I buy, season, by is, the way, go kudos, kudos to James for getting in shape this year, even though he's an athlete that makes like $40 million a year. I'm, I'm psyched that he's so committed to physical to fitness. That, that I don't understand since you're, you know, you've got two zeros and you're, or you've got two commas in your net worth. Um, <laughs> And a whole lot of zeros. <laughs> Thank you. I don't understand the gifting of large sums of actual cash to friends. Like, you remember Clooney? Like, yeah. gave his buddies like a, a million dollars in cash. I kind of got that because those guys didn't have money. Yeah. But there was that video where James Harden for his birthday, little baby, yeah, little baby. Gave him $250,000 cash. And it wasn't like, well, I forgot to get him everything. I'll just give him this money. Like he had this very elaborate um, box and he had all these quarters that were in there. It's like, I'm giving you a quarter. And I know, I think Harden at one point gave him $100,000. Listen, I you're talking the wrong guy in this that. world. I don't understand this world either. <laughs> it, it is it is a hard one to figure out. Yeah, like it's like he, here's a box. He gave, oh, some quarters. No, it's actually two hundred fifty thousand dollars. He gave them. Here's ha- happy birthday. Like I know rich guys give each other like Bentleys. Like I saw, um, you know, Michael Rubin gave Bob Kraft like a yeah four hundred thousand dollar Bentley, and it was like absolutely gorgeous. That I get. That I'm sure you and um, House give each other that kind of stuff. Yeah, but I don't get actual cash. And I there was listen, actually. Was, if you if you ever leave ESPN, I'm happy to I'm happy to hire you for a net wealth podcast where you just tackle these questions each week, trying to figure out friends like, and gifts. Season one. Before everything in the league exploded in the last two weeks, I was supposed to go to Philly for Media Day. And I was gonna ask James. I don't know when I'll get a chance to ask him. I was gonna ask him, tell me about getting cash for present. Like, you know, not from your aunt. Yeah. In the little envelope. $250,000 cash. I mean, well, I, how about I, I this? can't relate. Well, you know this. I don't think the listeners are fully aware of what's going to happen in a couple of years from now when the max contracts are like $75 million a year. Oh my God. And guys are signing $420 million five-year contracts because that's the world we're going to be moving into in the mid-2020s. What happens then with some of these gifts? And what happens when a guy doesn't want to play for two months and it's like but wait you make 77 million dollars a year you don't want to play (laughs) that's the thing like jay crowder like in what world can jay crowder say i'm holding out a camp right um he can't this world in this world i mean um there was there was a contract that was signed oh the Cavs signed dean wade to a contract extension he got three years and 18 million and i saw some people going boy Eight six million dollars a year for um, Dean Wade is a lot. I go, guys, in like five years, six million dollars to be like the veteran minimum. Yeah, that's like a rounding <laughs> error. 
Well, that was like with the McCollum contract, right? Where he gets this two-year extension. It's like, that's interesting. Why would they extend it? And then it's like, why wouldn't CJ bet on himself? And you can kind of see the both sides. Like, New Orleans, like, we don't know where these salaries are going. We're happy to lock this down for two more years. And CJ's like, I am a shooting guard. I might not be healthy in two years. I'm happy to lock that down too. But that's the new math. And that's why this Jalen Brown thing for the Celtics is makes me so nervous, where he might be a $70 million player in three years. When you talk to executives, they they are more and more not talking about the um, actual number that they're paying. They're talking about the percentage of cap. Oh, you know. Interesting. S- sign that guy to whatever. Oh, well, that's only 8% of the cap. No, that's not so bad. Um, I mean, Bill, the thing about it was is that the salary cap grew from like, well, just, just this number. Between 1990, when was Jordan's last year with the Bulls? 98, he made 33 million. Yeah. Between 1998 and like 2016, there was never a $30 million player. And now we have even what, with the, 40? Even with, maybe more. Even with inflation, yeah. there wasn't a $30 million player. And like in five years, there was 30. How do you go? I mean, because 2016 is when the cap spike happened. And we're about to have another one. And we're about to have a franchise um, spike. So maybe LeBron is like, (laughs) get one more max. I don't think you're wrong. I'm sure he's looking at Tom Brady and he's looking at how the longevity has increased and Nadal still in finals and stuff like that. And just like, hey man, maybe I have one more $300 million deal on me. Do you remember when Josh Childress signed in in Greece? I sure do. And... And people were like, oh my God, this is going to change the NBA, that people are going to go to Europe. And I remember LeBron, this was like maybe 2008, maybe 2007, eight-ish when he did that. And uh, I remember asking LeBron, I go, how much money would it take for you to go play like in Greece? And he'd be like, you talk, you're telling me like I could name any number. I go, come up with the highest number salary that you would play, you know, that you would play in Antarctica. And he was like, 50 million. If you paid me, and he like, I remember he was very demonstrative. If you could pay me $50 million a year, I would go play anywhere. And he was like, might as well have been a billion dollars. Like the concept of 50 million was like lunacy. I mean, as late as 2014, he'd still never been the highest paid player on his team, the single highest paid player. He was tied with uh, Chris Bosch. Right. Now he's like signing contracts where he's going to make $60 million. I remember <laughs> I did something when I was at ESPN about how the what are, would the players actually be worth? Because it was right around that Cleveland Cavs. Maybe it was my last year when the Cleveland Cavaliers, their fran- Forbes did that dumb franchise value thing every year that's never accurate. But the Cavs were like, you know, a billion dollar team with LeBron. Then they didn't have them and they were down to like $400 million. And then they got LeBron again and they're at like 1.5 million. It was like, basically, <laughs> what is LeBron actually worth? If he can swing a franchise worth by just multiples, is he like 50 million I, and 50 I, million seem crazy. I think you're looking at the wrong scale. You don't look at the franchise value. You look at the league revenue. So the last mm. year league revenue was 9 billion. When LeBron was in his absolute prime, you know, when they were getting 30 million viewers for finals games. Yeah. What the league revenue was maybe six, seven billion. 
What was LeBron worth to the league out of that seven billion dollar league revenue that were all the you know were all the teams were participating in that? What was his annual worth out of that seven billion? Can't even like. Well, I would argue he's done pretty well for himself. So in a weird way, the league figures yeah. out there's a, yeah, no, a mechanism where with the endorsements and the business investments, all this stuff, they still get what they're worth. But what they don't get it is with the actual salary cap, where it's like LeBron's right. worth $27 million on the Cavs, but well, he's, he's worth a billion dollars to the league. He definitely, like, I don't know if they, he definitely was worth nine figures like yeah. to the league. No question. Um, I think I said 75 like year, when I did this a while ago. I mean, that's not, now and that's laughably low. He's now that's more than seventy. Now that's going to be what like Robert Williams signs for <laughs> four years. It's like whoa, seventy five million a year for Robert Williams is that too high? I really wonder how the fans are going to react to this because the numbers are going to be like more than Tom Cruise made for a Top Gun Maverick just for like the thirty eighth <laughs> best player in the in the in the league. And and I don't think people are prepared for this anyway. Windhorse, you do a great job. It's great to Thanks, see you. Bill. I was really happy for you this summer. It was good to catch up. Uh, I love when you come on. And, uh, and hopefully for we can me. do it again. Have a good season. Thank you, too. This episode is supported by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is brought to you by Honey Stinger. This is a show about sports and culture opinions, but right now I want to talk sports facts, the data, the stats. Honey Stinger, sports nutrition, trusted by more than 1,500 pro and college teams. That's right, 1,500. That's all 32 pro football teams. That's 39 pro basketball teams, 29 pro baseball teams, and more that prepare, perform, and recover with the delicious taste of Honey Stinger's energy waffles, chews, gels, and bars. Honey Stinger is the one team's trust. Use code Simmons for 20% off your first order at honeystinger.com. That is S-I-M-M-O-N-S for 20% off your first order at honeystinger.com. All right, my daughter's here for the first time in a while. She demanded to come on because she's going to be taking care of me someday when I'm old. <laughs> I always... Exceed to her wishes. I you, will be the only one for the record. Yeah, Ben will be gone. It's one out of two and I'm the one. So we got to keep a strong relationship. Zoe is a senior in high school. She um, has her eye on next year when she's going to be away from us going to college in the East Coast. She already knows where she's going. Um, we've been talking a lot about social media, about high school life. Um, Let's talk about our social media conversation we had because I think it was an yeah. important dad-daughter moment for us. I think so too. And a lot I of I almost people, like had a semi-intervention with you. It wasn't, it was pretty invasive and vulnerable and it, it definitely needed to happen because I was becoming irrecognizable. But I think that a lot of teenagers are dealing with this, especially post-pandemic and just like with the new wave of social media, 
And so it's an important thing to discuss. Yeah, because one of my favorite things about you, and we've heard it, you've been on this podcast a lot, really since you were like, I don't know, 11, 11, 11 yeah. years old. Um, I think one of the things with social media and TikTok, which really scares me the most, but it just sucks your generation into your phone. And yeah. we were on a three-day soccer trip. We were in um, Oceanside and we weren't getting along. And I, I finally just blew up at you <laughs> and got really mad, <laughs> made you cry for the first time in a while. But I felt like it was justified. And part of it was because I was so frustrated. I felt like you were starting to veer the wrong way. And I really felt like social media was a big part of it. And then when we talked about it, and we talked about it at dinner. And then by the end of the weekend, it felt like the ship had been righted. So what happened? I just think that um, within this past year or so, I guess, post-pandemic, when we were all pretty depressed, I can say confidently, I don't think any singular person was happy during that period of time. Especially the teens. Especially being a teenager because you're learning how to exist in the real world. And it's like one of the most crucial times in anyone's life, you can argue. And spending that inside is definitely not easy when the only outlet you have is social media and your phone. And that's how you stay connected. And I definitely fell into some bad habits with that where I would be in my room all day. Like you can attest to this. I would be in my room all day in the dark, like I wouldn't really go outside. I wasn't like taking care of myself. I wouldn't say it was all day. It was like three, four hours. A, like, a you lot were still of the active. day though. You were playing soccer. Yeah, you I was, were going out. I was but... doing stuff, but compared to the way that I am now, obviously it was a lot of indoor time for me. Yeah. And just because of that, I was kind of conditioned to being on my phone all the time. And when that happens, it's like there's only so many options to be on your phone and do. It's like TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, or talking to your friends. Yeah. And as I mean, as we know that it's it's a fact that Instagram is a pretty evil app. Especially for teenage girls. There's been all yeah. these studies that have come out about it. They profit off of sucking people in and, and making people unhappy. And unhappiness is also hand in hand with like an addiction to some things. You're like addicted to this thing that's making you unhappy. Yeah, we're not saying you were you weren't like ready to go to a mental institution, no. but your mood your I, mood was definitely changing was not, in a way that was it not was like, the way this that I weird. usually am. I'm a very upbeat and happy person. And I just wasn't like that. And you don't realize until you actually become aware when you spoke to me about this. And it was like, I was looking at my phone all day and we know that Instagram is a highlight reel of everyone's lives. It's like, these are the best moments in my life. I'm going to put them out there. They could be edited. They could be filtered, whatever you want them to be. That's what you're presenting to the world. And as like a, a viewer who was not at my best 24 seven, looking at other people at their best or even better all the time, it had an effect on me. And I've never been someone luckily who has allowed stuff like that to take a toll on me. Yeah. I kind of just do my own thing and I like try to stay true to myself, but I definitely allowed it to have too much power without even knowing. And all of a sudden I was like completely absorbed in this world and like being active on Instagram way too often, like posting things, trying to conform and like do what everyone else was doing. Cause I thought that's what I had to do. Yeah. Well, another thing is you think it's like everybody's having a better time than you are and everybody's has this, but really it's like these people capturing this one moment that seemed, but they're yeah. just, they're in the same boat you are. And they're on their phone all the time and they're probably just as unhappy about different things. And living in LA where I've actually met influencers, weirdly enough, people who do this for a living, like this is their lives to post things and make their 
the world, the glamorous that they live in, they're truly, they're real people, which you wouldn't expect them to be because of the stuff that they post and the way that they act. Like they're perfection you, but they are real people. Yeah. And it's like, it's just as weird when you're standing all together in a group and they're like, take a picture of me with this thing on. And then they'll post it later on. And you're like, it looks like this candid photo of like this moment that they were just having living their life. But in reality, they were like, take a picture of me right now. Like it's all, it's all put together and done up. It's not anything natural. And it's like, you can't compare your real life to that. And there's so many circumstances, especially when you live in LA, like we do, where it's like, these fake, fake moments that you wouldn't ever expect to be fake. Yeah, the thing I was saying to you is, first of all, all that stuff I think is really damaging when you're, whoever you are, wherever you live, where you're looking at your phone and everybody seems to be having a better time than you are. Every photograph is filtered. It's the best possible version of whatever photo. So you're just looking at that all day and eventually you're going to start feeling bad about something about yourself, which I think is one danger. Then the other one with TikTok, you end up following the things you like. So like in your case, you're following all these different stuff. You you love watching people make food. I love it. And all that stuff. <laughs> and then you're like, I think about food all the time. And, you know, you play sports and obviously you're in great shape, but you started to really focus really on concerned. what you're eating. Yeah. And I mean, that's it's just a fixation on whatever you're seeing online all the time because it's like I didn't realize that I was giving myself this consistent reminder of like watching what other people are eating or what they're making or whatever. And it like became this awareness that I didn't even know I had or why I had it. Yeah, it wasn't, you didn't have an eating disorder, no. but you were thinking about it. I was just too conscious, cautious. Of so like I went on everything. your TikTok and I'm like, look at this. Here's somebody making donuts. <laughs> Here's somebody making pizza. Here's somebody who figured out how to make a chickpea salad. And it's like, yeah, you're going to think about food if the only thing you're seeing on your feet are like food and people having the greatest time ever. I wonder yeah. why why you're not feeling awesome. And it sucks. And like after, honestly, I felt like a transformed person after we talked about that. And I mean- We had it, two talks. Yeah, we talked yeah. that night with the, and we tried to figure out, all right, how do we, we figure fix out this? solutions for so the next So what were your set? solutions? Tell the people the solutions. I put um, time regulations on all of those apps. I do sometimes turn off the time regulation because I'll find that like- What? No, no, no. But hear me out because it does, it, it's a two hour span that I put on for everything on my phone. So sometimes I'll need to text someone or do something and I'll have to turn it off for certain circumstances. But I mean, that's definitely helped. But more than that, it's just me being aware that before I was way too absorbed in this world where I was more so living for the social media content per yeah. se than actually like, living for what makes me happy. I was like a robot almost. Like I was doing the same thing every single day, blah, 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 taking pictures, posting, whatever. But it was just like there, I was living within my phone rather than in the real world. And that's a really easy thing to fall into when you're over summer and you're not seeing people every single day. And it's a pretty like routine type of thing. It can happen. But I think just having more self-awareness about it and doing things for myself every day. Like I will go on a walk every day and just listen to music or not even bring my phone and like just having moments with myself where there's no social media or device present where I can just like reset. Yeah, that was the thing we talked about is like if you break away at least a little bit and you give yourself some me time where you're not just tied to the phone. But the problem is your generation, everything is emanating from that phone. And yeah. you feel like if you might miss something or you're disconnected or all this stuff's happening over there. but 
really like when you take a step back and you look at it, because I think for adults, there's certain things that are like that too. Like for people in media, they can go on Twitter all day and they'll just look at Twitter, look at links, look at comments, comments and they're just in that world, bad comments, replies, and all of a sudden it's like, gee, I wonder why I'm not happy right now. It's like, well, you were just on Twitter for five hours. Yeah. Um, And I can't imagine how it's easy to be an influencer or someone in the public eye at all. Yeah. Not that it's a, it's a hard job to pursue because you're pretty much just posting content all day, but like social media is so evil and having to be on it constantly, having that be your job is not mentally something that feels sustainable. Yeah. I do wonder, cause there's all these stats coming out about how depression rates are up and all these different things. And I do wonder sometimes if like social media, which I do think has some benefits, but is it also going to be like how, how my generation thinks about smoking when we were yeah. growing up and like, you know, all of your great grandparents, I think three of them were like chain smokers. None of them lasted very long. Right. And now yeah. we look back, oh, that was crazy. Your great grandfather smoked four packs yeah, of cigarettes like a day. You would think this was wrong and people knew it was wrong, but they didn't. Yeah, and they now didn't totally looking know. back, you didn't know. Yeah. But, and, and I do think it's the same circumstance, obviously for different reasons and not your like, actual physical health, but mental health is definitely affected by this and like this sounds so cheesy and like anyone could think of this but like really going outside and like taking a moment for yourself it's so vital like if you're sitting inside all day and you're going to school all day or whatever and you're on devices or on your phone it's like it you're bound to to feel upset like your body naturally gains endorphins by moving around by being outside like by being with nature and at center with yourself. And it's hard to be at center with yourself when you're on your phone all the time. We should tell people you moved to Colorado. You don't live with <laughs> us anymore. You just, you dropped out of school. You're just hiking trails. I figured it out. Getting super crunchy, <laughs> eating granola. No, it's good. I'm, I was glad we've had, I think people have heard, we've had a good relationship really the whole time where, and that this was the first time where I was, I, I got mad at you in a while where yeah. I was like, I don't understand what's going on with you. Yeah. But then and when we like talked the about it, it made sense. Horrible thing. Cause I really did like, that, that's the thing I never thought I'd have to worry about with myself. Yeah. But I, I mean, it happens. You righted the ship. Um, all right. So that ties into post pandemic culture. So, and you had it, I mean, everybody, like people were in college who missed two years or high school. Like you basically missed, the last three months of ninth grade. Yeah. You missed all of 10th grade. And then 11th grade, people easing back, but there were masks for a bunch of times. And then yeah. 12th grade. So people are meeting online. People are having relationships or their and whatever. friendships too. Like it's weird because I joined my high school in the ninth grade, all of 10th grade. I didn't get to go to school. 11th grade was when things really came back together and we got to, you know, be all together and rejoice, whatever. But it's like you're I was meeting these people for the first time that I go to school with, really. Yeah. And it's it's just weird. Like the pandemic really takes a toll on high school experience, obviously, for a majority of reasons. But like friendship dynamic is definitely a huge one where it's like I go to a smaller school where there's not a lot of people. They've known each other since the kindergarten. And there's very obvious cliques. Yeah. There's people who always hang out all the time and there's no problem with that. But everyone has their group and we're not really like a, a united grade at all. That's that's what's Where called high school. Yeah, it's very much segregated. <laughs> but I feel like I feel like 11th grade is when it's supposed to open up and everyone's supposed to like 
kind of come together and we all mesh and there's not so much of that clickiness anymore because you've gotten past the ninth and the 10th grade yeah. drama. But like now we're we're almost in the ninth and 10th grade right now. Like we're in the 10th grade because we're, we missed the 10th grades. So we're still in that stage of like yeah. opening up to one another. And by the time we know it, like high school is going to be over and we're not going to be close. And it's just kind of, it's sad that we are robbed of that experience because I mean, it's it's vital to become close with your grade. That's what you see in The Breakfast Club and all these movies, like random people becoming friends. And it's like this great Yeah, dynamic. but most of those movies are all about how high school is actually I know. unsatisfying. Yeah, but high school is unsatisfying. <laughs> but like, I just, it's unfortunate that I feel like we should have yeah. all well, kind of come together by now. I, the one thing that's interesting to me is that people are meeting at parties again, which yeah. I was worried about oh, for two huge. years where it was just people either FaceTiming or a friend of theirs. It was like, <laughs> yeah, hey, you I, add each other I know your friend Sally. What, and all of a sudden you're Snapchatting with some stranger. Yeah. Well, I mean, party culture is definitely a very interesting thing, especially in LA. Yeah. Because LA is one of the biggest cities in the world. And it's like you go to these parties where people from schools that you haven't even heard of are there. And we're like all brought together in this one spot. And you're just kind of meeting everyone. And it's like your eyes are bulging out of your head and it's like all the shit's going on around you and you're like oh my god and LA parties are next level like I genuinely I don't know next why next level in a good way and a bad way yeah but it's like I don't know why everyone just can't like I guess no one is okay with throwing a regular party anymore where it's just a bunch of people there and you're saying hanging out yeah. now it like has to be like there's a tattoo parlor and there's someone like piercing ears <laughs> and it's like all this fucking weird shit and there's like oh two sumo wrestlers or it, I swear what, to god that's happened before about? there's two sumo wrestlers that came to a party and they've they fought for everyone it's like these LA kids who have money they're just like alright so I'm gonna use this I'm gonna throw a crazy party and I'm going to invite The Rock Johnson and he's gonna fight one of the kids at the party like it's like no one can have a, a good time without it being extravagant so it's just, it's I, a I think that might thing. be the LA. I don't know if that's the case around I know the it's world. not all over the world, but yeah. it's just like, it's it's insane. Then you have Ben Simmons who just goes to a mall and walks around with his friends. Yeah, I actually saw a couple of delinquents yesterday who were getting <laughs> in it with six security ben? guards. Yeah. And I was like, that looks like someone Ben would be friends with. The, the party culture, do some of the tricks for how people get invited to parties. Like oh, the wow. app or, this do, is also tell the people about a those. huge part of the social media presence, which is, it's so sad that I'm about to say this, but honestly was why I was like more aware of my account and what I was posting. It's because like people decide who can come to a party and who can't because it all exists on Instagram or Facebook. Either you're invited on Facebook to go to a party where it's like you have Facebook. to be you, invited. People on Facebook? Yeah, they use it only for parties. I oh. don't use it. But on Instagram, you can request an account and then the people that are throwing the party will like look through your account, see what mutual friends we have, like what type of posts you make. Like I, it's like a fucking, it's a dating app or something. And they, they have to like look through your profile and see if you're valid enough to go to their party. So it's like you have to kind of keep up with your profile and have good stuff on there in theory because that's how you get invited to stuff if that's something you care about which sadly was something I cared about so we in 2022 we figured out a way to make high school kids feel worse about themselves yeah, it's an amazing job so then didn't you say one of the parties that the guy was like you have to leave a good review oh, on my yeah. app this is this kid's awesome and he throws great parties so there's no hate to him and like if you're throwing a party like this where it's like you have a lot of people coming potential damage like you're having to you know you're putting money into it yourself it makes sense to get something out of it and this kid's like a scheming genius he made this yeah. app 
and he had everyone who wanted to go to his party. He was like, you have to leave a review on my app and download the app. So he's basically profiting off of every single person that's coming to his party and getting money made on his app. You have to pay at the door and you have to buy his app. So it's just like, it's like this kid is is scheming and then the he gets to Mark throw Zuckerberg. a great party. He's like, he's honestly, he's like a, it's insane. Well, and then the other one is they create the IG account and then they just, you get, you get a follow request Yeah, and you have to follow it. And then you're on this list just with the private list of people. The private I thought list that of was people. kind it's, of ingenious. It's, it is. It actually is because they get to choose who they want to follow the And then they'll the boot account, people so. out. Yeah. I've been booted out once before. It didn't feel good. I mean, I didn't know the person, so they had no obligation to invite me, but I was slightly upset about it. And then senior year, the competitive oh my college God. stuff it's that's crazy. in where like early admission is yeah. now like you have to know where you're going in December basically because yeah. there's so many more applications for all these colleges. Fortunately and- enough, I don't have to deal with that because I, I know where I'm going to school. Yeah. Hopefully. But Wow, um, you you know where you're going, yeah. but it's soccer related. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but everyone in my grade, it's like hilarious. I not hilarious because I, I feel bad for them because a lot of them were applying to like twenty-five plus schools having yeah. to write all these essays and things. But they'll have like people come to our school to talk to us, like representatives from each school, and it'll be like a hundred kids going to these meetings. And then you'll hear whispers about like who's EDing here, who's EDing there. Like I can't ED there because this person has more qualification. ED is early admission for people who don't. Yeah, yeah. yeah they have more quali- qualification and like better assets about themselves. They'll get in this school over me. I can't ED here, and it's like all of this like drama. It's literally book smart. Like hearing this would people, be a good Netflix horror movie. It where would be. You're like the someone in your school is the eighth, probably best candidate to get into whatever pick an Ivy like Yale. Yeah, sure. And they have to eliminate the seven people in front of them. And they just Blumhouse Productions. Them? Each one, Jesus. each one, each one's murdered Michael Myers style <laughs> until they're the best college. That would be a good one. That would be a good one. You would 100% watch that I movie. I absolutely would. But it's it's really insane. The amount of competitiveness that people have been feeling, the whispers that I've heard, the reasons well, it's why. it's always been this way. Yeah. I'll tell you this, college, is, the college just, process has not changed. It sucks. And I, I feel very bad for everyone who is going through this and dealing with it. Cause it's not fun. The, um, you're kind of in that weird limbo thing where you know where you're going next year, but you still have to get through this year and enjoy it. But at the same time, mentally you kind of start to move to the next year. Yeah. I'm like floating away from high school. Um, I mean, I love high school and I want to savor every last moment of it because you don't ever get it back. And when you're out of it, people are like, Oh, I really miss it. I wish I like savored it more. Yeah. So I'm trying to do that. But I mean, it's hard to stay motivated, which I obviously am trying to stay motivated and I wouldn't be happy with myself if I did poorly this year. Yeah. But it's hard to like maintain motivation. Do you have any tips? I mean, just remembering that it's not 100%. And if you fail, then you're not going to go to the school that you want to go to. So just... Well, you have to, like with the soccer thing, you have to stay... I have to stay healthy. you know you're playing next year, I which has been really hurt. good for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into it. And I'm very grateful for my situation, but it's also unfortunate when like, I've, you know, I've sacrificed so much my whole life to like get here Yeah. or I have missed birthday parties, social events. Like I wasn't as close with people as others were because I didn't have the time to be. And like everyone now is like, oh, you're so lucky. Like you already know what school you're going to. Like this is like cakewalk. You're so lucky. And I'm like, I also, I did all the work that you're doing now in a different way for my whole life. So it's like, 
it's just kind of a lot of weekends learning how to like deal with uh, just people saying stuff about it and like maybe not thinking that you were meant to be in the position that you're in so just it's stuff like that everyone's competitive and that's the way that it is and it's understandable but you know it's just the college process is weird and it, it definitely brings out true colors mm. that's for sure that's not a dig at anyone but. well maybe um <laughs> Before we go, 2022 pop culture. Yeah. It seems like the pioneers are running 2022. Harry Styles. Harry Styles, yeah. Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. And the Kardashians. The Kardashians. So Harry Styles trying to be a movie star now. You like this movie. I'm, I'm com- in complete support of this. I think he has a fantastically soothing voice, which I would love to. I love British people. British accents are fantastic. I luckily have a soccer coach now that has a British accent and it's like the most awesome thing. But I would love to see him in more movies just for that reason. It's not hard to look at. There's that. And he's a good actor. So I think that he's definitely, I mean, he's just a tyrant. He can be successful in so many ways. Setting fashion trends. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's. He's dating his director. That'll probably end soon. Oh, it's things aren't doing so well. With what, that. Who would you pick for his next girlfriend? <sighs> That's kind of a hard one. I don't even know if I can think of anyone that would qualify to be good enough. Who for would Harry you not Styles. want him to be next girlfriend? Like stay away from the Kardashians. Oh, definitely not the Kardashians. Oh my God. That would be the worst thing ever. Like not Kylie. I know Kylie's like with Travis or whatever, but I think the Kardashians are a whole other issue. In yeah. Themselves. So explain what happened with the Kardashians. So for a while it was about curves and they were like yeah. the leader of the front for curves, but now it's happening. Well, the Kardashians, that's like, that's been their whole thing. Like they, they obviously they're up front or maybe not so up front. We know that they've had some plastic surgery done. Yeah. And like that's, there's no problem or shame in that. But for a long time, that became the beauty standard within these past 10 years. Cause like in the 2000s, it was, you're kind of real thin. That was what was in like people wearing really, really like low-waisted pants and like kind of hardly any clothing. It was like in to look like that. And like Kardashians and other celebrities were like kind of the pioneers for a thicker woman. Yeah, and curves. More curves. And then now the Kardashians have lost a significant amount of weight and they're, they're kind of going, reverting back to this real thin thing that was going on in the 2000s after all of these people have followed the the trend of having curves and have gotten like BBLs and boob jobs and things to like fit into this fashion Can you explain trend. what BBLs are? Brazilian butt lift. You're enhancing your bum, <laughs> basically. <laughs> but like people, don't do that. people are getting these operations done and then they can't afford to just change it back like the Kardashians can. So it's honestly kind of detrimental for for women and 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 men or whatever you identify as it's detrimental for for human beings in general to see fashion trends and like body trends change so drastically and quickly so kardashian still wreaking havoc 15 still years wreaking later havoc. And unbelievable I, mean, I support them but it's just like be upfront about what you're doing well they're trying to, to they're, they're to trying stay, to shake it up to, to stay, stay relevant major you have celebrity, to change you got to keep zagging yeah. you got to keep zagging when everyone's and I, I get it but it's it's pretty tough but the one who just keeps winning and winning is taylor swift yeah i you know what i love taylor swift new album have, coming out and i'm also an avid kanye music fan i can't say much for i, I just mm. hope he gets the help he needs um 
but I love his music. So it's kind of controversial to say how much I love Taylor Swift, but I, I love Taylor Swift. I love the direction that she's in. I love that she's kind of a granola nature girl now. She's taking a step back from the drama. She's, I feel like she's like my kind of weird aunt that I, that I like a lot. Like she'll <laughs> bring some cookies with maybe some CBD in them and we'll have a, a nice time watching a, a Christmas movie together. That's mm. like Taylor Swift. She's comfort. She's, she's love. She has great music. Gotta Keeps winning it. and winning and winning. Yeah. The last piece of advice you have for the people out there is don't, don't power watch the Dahmer series oh my on God. Netflix. Please don't. I just did that and it gave me flashbacks or more like PTSD to when I watched um, 17 seasons 17 of Grey's Anatomy, of Grey's and, Anatomy and quarantine. And I was just like, why the hell do I feel like this? I feel so depressed all the time. Maybe because you're watching people die every day. And in Jeffrey Dahmer's case, eating and killed. Yeah. So it, it wasn't an awesome 48 hours for me watching this entire series. So I series. watched it on Saturday and Sunday morning because you guys were gone. You're in Arizona for soccer and yeah. Ben doesn't want to hang out with me. <laughs> and I had to do all my NBA season prep and I just banged out all the Dahmer episodes. You have to bang it out. I think, honestly, you have to do it like that because then you never have to watch it again. Yeah, yeah. it's like... you got it's, like a, it's a serial killer of watching. It's weird because they, they make a big deal. I think one of the reasons they made it was because... They wanted to give some voice to the victims and yeah, make it, and the hey, racism this guy just that wasn't was a cannibal. Yeah, involved and, uh, with Jeffrey Dahmer and the cops not valuing. At the same time, they did kind of exploit some of the Dahmer crimes a little bit. I thought the best episode was the sixth episode with uh, about the deaf, the deaf guy. The deaf that, guy? Uh, that was when they the, told his whole backstory. The most I thought horrible, that was really good. Horrible thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. you really feel for these people. They do make this show was extremely intimate in the way where they showed like the entire relation from beginning to end of Jeffrey and each one of his victims. Yeah. And that's just such a hard thing to watch when you make an emotional connection to this person because you're you're getting to know them through Jeffrey getting to know them and then you watch them be murdered. It's like, it's a very traumatizing thing. And then it's like all these people who had suspicions about him, mm. but because of like racism and... The right. way that they were well, and also who he was killing. So yeah, nobody really treated cared back in this time. No one cared. Yeah, to, to listen to them. So it, it sucked. Here's my Dahmer take. Other than the serial killing, <laughs> which you know is what what will end up being his legacy, and rightly so. But really rough hang. By yeah, all accounts. he sucks. Not not fun to hang out with for even five minutes. And then the big thing for me: horrible neighbor. Like really, just a reprehensible. Yeah, I mean, you're smelling the the scent of. How like many times can you just say my flesh. parents mailed me pork chops and the and they refrigerator went bad? Broke. How how long have they been bad, Jeffrey? Like this should I don't understand how that wasn't. And how does the lady next door not be like that's got to be a, some sort of she rotting knew. corpse? She called the police every day. I know. She did, and they didn't listen to her. Now social media, she'd be a oh, TikTok star, right? She would have made she'd a TikTok like, a the first day that me. she smelled something weird in that living room. And then uh, the TikTok investigators would have gotten the police to her in, in moments. Yeah. I guess that's one beneficial part of social media. But I hate Jeffrey Dahmer, and he has no personality either. Like, if you're going to be a serial killer episodes out of and him. do the, I mean, but it was awesome. And the, the actor, I don't remember what, what his name is. Yeah. I watched a Jeffrey Dahmer interview after I finished the show just a moment oh, ago. No. Because I'm just curious as to what the real guy is like. And I mean, he got him down to a T, like the manner, the mannerisms. He had the Milwaukee accent. The accent, the way in which he behaved, like how he was so soft-spoken. And then all of a sudden he becomes a serial killer. Like, it's... It, 
so one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. My roommate Chip Kane was from Milwaukee, and Jeff Gallo, my Your best man in my way, yeah. we flew to Milwaukee to go see Chip and go to some. I think we went to like a Brewers game, and I don't remember. We did a whole bunch. Tell of me, you didn't stuff. go to the. Oh, we made him take us God, to the Dahmer you place. So weird. We did. We we went. It's not a place anymore, though, is it? I thought they they it, destroyed it. It's a it lot. It was. I can't remember if we went. I think it had already been destroyed, and he took us there. That and we were just like Jesus, like because Dahmer was the real life Michael Myers. If Michael Myers ate people, I mean, it's, it's so we had ten times worse it. than Michael Myers. Yeah, and I, the fact that he had remorse too makes it even worse because he was like aware of the shit that he's doing. Do we think he had remorse though or is that the move you make I, when you're in jail I after you've murdered 20 people? No, but I, I genuinely, I do feel like he was just purely evil because with these other oh, serial was. killers, it's like I, obviously if you murder someone, you're evil in some sense, but like a lot of them, they were like psychotic too. He like was not psychotic in any way. He was completely stable throughout every like killing that he did. He's just like a horrible like even vile the cannibalism. Human being. He's he's totally stable. <laughs> it's so fucking it's so disgusting. And then I he tried to feed his next door neighbor show. that sandwich. Oh yeah. He was like, eat it, eat it in front of me. Would you take a sandwich from your next door neighbor that's housed constantly smells like a rotting Murph's butthole? I wouldn't take. I I'm trying to think what I would take from him. Like that's honestly that was the most like I wouldn't wild take, like, thing I've ever seen. Unopened pack of batteries from him. No, I wouldn't. Because it would have the stench of nothing. Yeah, terrible Just, job by the Milwaukee cops. But they were fantastic the big show, really well good. done. I gotta say, it was very well if done. If you're interested in this type of stuff and you want to have a really shaky fifty hours and have creepy dreams like I did, you yeah. know, I had to fall asleep to your rewatchables like twice so I could hear your voice and like be soothed. So the moral so of the story is, Jeffrey. so we had an intervention, intervention with Zoe for social media. Yep. We righted the ship and then she watched a 10 hour Dahmer series and now she can't fall asleep. <laughs> so I'm just a great parent. Zoe Simmons, pleasure as always. I look forward to your end of the year awards on the BS podcast. See y'all then. All right. That's it for the podcast. Thanks again to Brian Windhorst. Thanks to Zoe Simmons, my lovable daughter. Thanks to Kyle Creighton for producing. Thanks to Steve Cerruti and Dylan Berkey as well. Don't forget... Rewatchables, Boogie Nights, two parts. You can go check that out on the feed right now on all platforms. And I'll see you on this feed on Thursday. <laughs>